Welcome to Slacks. I am Mathilde. Mallory. Darina. And uh, today we have a very special guest who we will introduce very soon. Um, but we wanted to talk about lesbian families um, and especially different routes and different ways that um, lesbians can make families. Um, and today in particular, we're going to be talking about um, the IVF route. Yes, there she is. <laughs> Amy is our very special Hello. guest. Hi, Amy. <laughs> Hi. Actually, Amy, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to everyone. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, sure. I am currently um, at home with my two daughters. I have a two-year-old and a one-year-old, Evangeline and Olive. Um, before that, I was a broadcast journalist, so I made current affairs documentaries, and um, I hopefully we'll go back to that one day. But right now, I'm busy being a mummy. So, Amy, you went down what we will term or what I will term as route number one for creating a lesbian family, which is IVF. Yes. Now, I'm going to be really dumb here and I'm not even going to pretend I don't know what IVF is. Would someone like to explain it to me, please? Sure. Okay. So, because <laughs> it's so in like the lesbian terminology now, it's like every like having IVF or we're having IVF. And I, I always nod politely and I'm like, they're having IVF. They can't come out tonight or they're having IVF. They're a little tired, but I don't know what it is. That's so funny. It's they're so true. IVF. <laughs> it's like it's happening. There's yeah. a thing that's happening. And I always am like, that's that's really cool and understandable. And there will be a baby at the end of it. But quite honestly, I don't really know what it is. So there is Please tell me. a lot of people will explain IVF to you, I feel like, in, in different ways. And everyone probably has their own experiences. So Amy, we would love to hear what your experience is, but I'm going to do the the basic bitch definition of what IVF is. Yes, please. So, says the internet, in vitro fertilization is the process of fertilization where an egg is combined with the sperm outside the body in vitro, where they say quote unquote in glass. The process involves monitoring and stimulating the woman's ovulatory process, removing an ovum or an ova, which is egg or eggs, from the woman's ovaries and letting the sperm fertilize them in a liquid in a laboratory. Oh, God. So hold okay. on, hold on. Okay. After the fertilized egg or a zygote undergoes embryo culture for two to six days, it is implanted in the same or another woman's uterus with the intention of establishing a successful pregnancy. Thank you, Mel. I you appreciate that. You are so that. welcome. That I came don't from understand my brain. Every single one of those words came from my brain. I don't understand <laughs> a single word. Well, I understand a couple of words, but yeah. But but thank you for your I explanation. I keep on about chickens. Yeah, well, we're not chickens, but no, I guess in some ways, yeah. To kind of take away the science bit a little bit and just to ask you, at what point in your relationship with your partner did you guys even begin to have the conversation about having children? Like, I mean, it, I think maybe it's an assumption between same-sex couples, especially female couples, that you will both want to have children and it's like maybe a natural thing that will happen at some point in your relationship but I think it's something that's still 
it might not maybe somebody might not want to have children or you know but at what point in your relationship did you talk to your partner and say hey are we on the same page here or is this something that we both want yeah. or um i think probably about on our second date we probably yeah, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> okay. seriously oh yeah seriously. that is so yeah. lesbian it's, it's so lesbian so but necessary. it's also it's yeah. so me and kim that's my wife um She's from a massive Catholic Italian-American family and I'm from a family with four children. Um, I've got two sisters and a brother and everybody's mildly baby-obsessed and it's literally... Yeah, I would say it's probably one of the first things we ever said. I think I said, you know, for me, it's a non-negotiable kind of if you don't want children, then mm. this that's isn't going to work. I think that's so good, though. It's great, great. But, but what if the per- what if you really like this person and then she turns around and goes, mm, I think the earlier you find out, the better. Yeah, because yeah, then, to be honest, at that stage, I probably would have thought, well, then, you know, nice date, but yeah. maybe mm. we'll have yeah. sex, but not have a relationship You wouldn't have taken yeah. her seriously, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah for it sure. Was, it was something that we talked about, too. I think it's something that you have to talk about in a couple. If you don't want a family, I mean, that could be somebody giving up a a very big part of their lives and they might resent you for it in the future. Mm. I you know? couldn't agree more. For me and my girlfriend, it came up maybe the third or fourth date and she actually asked me, it was like, I'm just going to ask you a question. So where do you stand on kids and marriage? And just threw it <laughs> out there and I was like, you know, pretended to be all like, holy fuck, oh my God, I'm not ready for this question. But I was like, actually, yeah, I'm just going to level with you. And I gave my answer at the time, which mm. matched up with her answer at the time, mm. which um, was lucky yeah. because otherwise <laughs> it can be a real... It be killer. a deal breaker, can't yeah. it? What about you guys? Um, I wasn't, and I think part of me still is not 100% sure either way. I would love to know either way, like 100% no, 100% yes. Um, I'm, I guess I'm still 50-50, but um, yeah, I think I, I, I think at the time when I first started going out with Stephanie, I was definitely like open to being, um, you know, either way. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, so Amy, so what was the kind of, once you guys established that you both wanted these big Italian, English... American families <laughs> what what is so how what was kind of the process from there for you guys well um for us I think we got married first that was something both of us always wanted to do um do marriage before children very old-fashioned but weirdly even though we're in a same-sex relationship we still are in some ways quite old-fashioned we had quite a traditional wedding um, it was a killer wedding <laughs> it was also very good fun yeah. I've heard good things yeah it was a good day <laughs> We had two weddings, actually, but that's for another show. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think we got married and then it was always understood that we would try pretty soon after we got married. So, um, you know, doing the wedding, as you know, that is a huge deal, organising mm-hmm. your wedding. And then really the next job was, OK, well, how are we going to have children? Mm. And so, like, what was the process for you in deciding, you know, because obviously there's a lot of different alternatives you can do adoption you can do um well not in this country but you could do surrogacy um ivf um iui um so what what was i mean obviously you guys both kind of matched on what it was that you wanted but how did you kind of get there well it's a really long process but um i think we're quite unusual in that we were in a position where kim my wife's best friend from high school in memphis growing up had always said to her if you find somebody you fall in love with, a woman that you want to make a family with, I will help you. And 
excuse me obviously that's a very generous offer but also something that you can't really guarantee unless you mm. pin them down and, and discuss it but he had always said that and then I met him and Kim and I became more serious we got engaged and everything and then to be honest he one day in New York was just like look you know I said this to you a long time ago but it still stands and if you guys want to have a family then I would love to help you make that happen um which we felt very lucky to have because mm. I think I, kn- I know from friends that a lot of people want to explore that avenue but obviously finding somebody who you're happy to have do that and is also happy to do it for you and their partner is happy or if they don't have a partner there's just so many different variables that mm-hmm. it's quite a rare thing to have on the table so we were very fortunate to have that mm. and what was your relationship like then with Kim's friend it was literally one of the oldest best friends of my girlfriend so I happened to actually get on incredibly well with him and and now I would say we have our own friendship as well Mm. which is really lovely but uh, initially he was you know I I knew he was special and then I met him and I was like oh my god I love this guy Um, (laughs) because he's amazing yeah I mean that is really lucky once you guys made that decision for sure you decided that was what you wanted to do with him was there a how do you future-proof that decision mm. do you do, do you go through like a legal procedure do you put things in place because maybe i'm only saying this because i it's something that i've worried about or i worry about um whether if that was going was going to be my route less worrying about your friend because you know your friends is in a good you know wants to do it it's in a good place but I worry mostly about future partners and, and if at some point they decide that your baby is actually their baby or is half their baby or, or that person's parents, you know, the grandparents, you know, are they, do they consider themselves grandparents? So how do you future-proof that decision so that at any any point in the future that's uh, that's an issue, that becomes an issue? Yeah, completely. Um, we had some incredibly frank conversations, I mean, brutally harsh, like um, him saying... If they, when, you know, one day when they meet my mum, what will they call her? And we said, you know, we're not planning for her to ever, for them to ever meet your mum, in all honesty. You know, if that happened organically and accidentally, or if we happened to be in the same place, and Mm. then we would introduce them, but we would use first names, no grandparent names, you know. But I should say, actually, really before that detail, that we had something called a preconception agreement drawn up by a law firm here which isn't a legally binding document, but it is something that in the future, if you ever had to take a, a case to court over custody or whatever, some of the situations you were suggesting, um, it can be used as evidence of how all the parties had agreed the arrangement prior to conception. It does mean that in law, a judge would look quite favourably upon us, hopefully, because we have written it down so clearly with a lawyer. He's signed it. He's written the stuff. Yeah. You know, it's very clear what his intentions were going into it. So he would have done an absolute, you know, turnaround. OK, but hang on a second. You guys are married. Doesn't that account for anything? Yes, it means we're automatically listed as the legal parents on the birth certificate because we're married. Um, and I think you can still both be the parents the legal parents on the birth certificate if you're not married but I believe it's a bit more of a complicated process okay but we would have been yeah um, and actually I should also say here that due to us both being the legal parents it would actually be quite a hard process for our donor to try to win parental custody so he currently has no parental rights or responsibilities it would be a difficult process for him to go through okay so if he did want to go down that route 
um, what would he have to do? Well, as far as I understand it, he couldn't just start like applying for access to our kids. Um, I think it's a two-stage process. So firstly, he'd have to convince the family court that he should have the right to be able to try to gain access to our kids. And then secondly, only if he was successful and was granted permission to try, could he then go on to actually apply to the court for access to our kids. So it would be a really big deal and he'd have to First of all, actually even just get permission to try, which mm-hmm. is reassuring. Well, that was always reassuring for us going down that route. Mm-hmm. So okay. it would be a big deal. Okay. So basically then that's when your agreement would come in handy. Yeah, exactly. That's when you'd refer back to that document. Okay. And we had ours drawn up by um, Natalie Gamble Associates, who are a family law firm here in the UK. And obviously I'm not a lawyer. But um, they have such a good website. They have so much information on their blog. um, And they've just gone into so much detail on all of this stuff that I think if any of your listeners are looking for more information, I would really recommend them. Do you know the website offhand? No, I don't. But I think if you just Google like Natalie Gamble, um, it will come up. Obviously, it's UK specific, but it's a really good resource. So, yeah, I'd recommend looking at that. That's handy. Okay, thank you. Of course, all of this is much simpler if you use an unknown donor, which I guess is a plus for people going down that route. Because obviously, like, as we were going through, because, you know, we went through the looking for a sperm process, which is such a minefield. Oh, it is horrible. seriously like a clusterfuck. That's you and yeah. Francesca. Me and Francesca have gone through the process of trying to find a sperm donor. And we went through the, you know, do we want to do a known donor like you guys? Because obviously the, the upside, I think, of a known donor is you know who the donor is. There is not going to be that many people, hopefully, who will have his sperm. Um, you know, and that really appealed to us. You know, when you're creating a family, you have to, you know, there, there are these things that you think about. Like, if I'm using a donor, a, a sperm donor from a sperm bank, the idea through my mind was how many brothers and sisters, biological brothers and sisters, are our children going to have? Um, which is something that I lost sleep over, and it was something that really messed with our heads. Um, and then we thought, okay, now we're going to go down the known donor route. We'll ask a guy that might be super close to us or someone that we feel comfortable with but not too close to where they would want to have a relationship with the children but somebody who they could meet. It just There's all of these factors that kind of go into it, and then there are the legalities behind it of what are we prepared to do? Is it? And, and it's also awkward to ask somebody that you know, and, and you guys are lucky that in your case your donor was so willing to um, to be the donor. Um, absolutely yeah i mean that's huge Um, very rare i think absolutely and i think at the end of the day we just decided for us what worked was to go with an anonymous donor um just to kind of keep things easy we didn't want to we didn't feel comfortable enough asking anybody that we knew that that it wasn't putting them out um and you know we we hope we made the right choice but that's you know but that's it and that that was our route yeah Yeah, we will see um (laughs) it will be fine yeah yeah so i guess um once you guys kind of did all of the paperwork then what kind of happened from there well i should probably say as well because this is about how people get to those decisions that our decision that was lovely that he offered and we accepted in the end but we also went down the donor the anonymous donor route for a while because at first when we had his sperm tested we actually found out he didn't have very um good sperm Mm. he had really low sperm motility and stuff so we didn't actually only do ivf we did something called ICSI where they literally inject the sperm into the egg because the sperm weren't powerful enough that's mm. a new one on me ICSI. <laughs> yeah. never heard of it's, it uh, ICSI, and that's the most invasive that's the, the highest level really of ivf that's kind of as the best wow. they can do and we had to do that because of the 
sperm. But then at one stage, obviously, we thought, well, do we want to put ourselves through IVF? We weren't even going to do IVF in the first place. We would have done you know, turkey paste at home or whatever, but... Mm. Which is kind of more medically known as IUI, correct? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm going to sound really dumb here, but you can actually do a turkey baster, Yeah, right? yeah, you, you can. can. Yeah, you can do it at home. Not, like no. a not a turkey myth. baster, but like, the, they would you give you the equipment, yeah, yeah, to do it at home. Yeah. Huh. Mm. Can you actually do Carry a turkey on. baster? You can't, no, I don't know probably. if you could do a turkey baster. The sperm would probably die once I think if you oxygen. sterilized it, maybe you could, mm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it must come, come from, from somewhere. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody must, must have, have tried it. <laughs> yeah. I think there are lots of stories Success out there of women who unknown. have with guys. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and we sure. would love to hear them, by the way. If anyone knows any <laughs> stories. Podcast, yeah, you know or if you have a story about this and doing it another way, we would love to hear it. Absolutely. But... My original point before it got to turkey basters was that um, <laughs> we then Sorry. had to go down the route because one doctor said we can't use this, it's not going to work. So we were like, okay, so... We As started, in his perm. Yeah, and also, this is, I don't know how far to go into detail because IVF, okay. there's... Yeah. Anyway, there's this other thing called CMV and whether you're CMV positive or CMV negative, which is a virus that lies dormant in the body, kind of like herpes or something. So a lot of people are positive and it doesn't cause you any issues. It's not a really serious thing. Um, but then if you are, if you're negative and the baby is positive because the donor was positive, it can cause some health issues in pregnancy. So they try to match you so that if you're CMV negative, you have a CMV negative donor so that, you know, you don't have any issues. Were you both CMV negative or? No. So more Americans are CMV positive yeah. and more British people, as you've also yes. experienced, are yeah. CMV negative. Really? So our donor is American and I was negative. And so that was a whole spanner in the works as well. And this first clinic said it's not going to work we won't do it so we gave up started looking at unknown donors and then like you we found it quite a negative experience I remember we were on holiday and we after our wedding we were just kind of flicking through and it felt like a dating agency but you know we were looking at each other and we were like we're trying to create a human this feels so Mm. strange yeah it's like it's like it's like on paper because they literally go through like what are their interests what are they what have they studied what do they do for a job what's their favorite color like all of this stuff so on paper somebody can look perfect but it's like nobody is perfect on paper but also it kind of pushes you to think okay because i i went through it myself just kind of had a look just because you know i just thought why not let me have a look on this website and and they have loads of profiles and i had a look and I honestly had an anxiety attack while I was looking because it kind of pushed me to think about all this stuff that I'd never thought about. I, How am I going to choose what colour eyes do I want my kid to have? How am I going to choose how tall they're going to be or whether they're going to be into science or arts? And like all these, uh, you, you hear their voice, you hear the donor's voice and like the, the the clinic's impression of them and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, I don't know what I want, like, it's 50% of your child. Like, it's such a big decision. And yeah. the weight of that decision just made me feel so anxious. It's really, yeah, it's very, it makes you feel really uncomfortable when you first It does. Do it. But I think, like, what made us, I think, feel more comfortable about this whole thing was that I had to say to myself, and we both kind of said, you know, there's a lot of people who have one-night stands. Dang. And then they yeah. end up getting pregnant. And, that's and, the like, and then they keep it. the baby, and it's, it's like, a lot less whatever. Thought than this. And yeah. you look at it as, like, DNA, 
You know, in some yeah. ways, it's just like the DNA of somebody. And, and it's nature versus nurture. Exactly. Exactly. Kind of exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And, absolutely. and let, like, trust me, it is not an easy decision. And we went back and forth. We, we, it took us over a year to be even okay with choosing the sperm donor that we chose. I don't think it's ever a black and white decision. It, there is so much gray area. It is a clusterfuck. And I think that, like, online dating for sperm is... I don't know, maybe there's a gap in the market to help <laughs> to help people with this because it nobody really prepares you for it until you start looking and you're like, wow, this is actually what I'm Very doing. Very overwhelming. Yeah. Absolutely. And on that note, because again, I have never been through this process or even near this process, but it from from what you're saying, Amy, and what you're saying, Mao, it must be hugely overwhelming. It's like there's so much going on. But how far into your relationship like how long were you guys together before this point actually came because I mean you must have to have like such a strong foundation of like yeah, what's happening you do yeah because um, you, as you were saying Matilda it does make you actually start raising questions that are quite fundamental about what you think a, a good person is or mm-hmm. or you know what you value in people and what you want to have in your children like is it that you want them to be intelligent or is it that you want them to be sporty and so yeah you have to have some frank chats and I think we probably we didn't really start looking at the details of how we were going to do it until after our wedding. So I think we got married after we'd been together for three years. Mm. Um, so, I mean, we were pretty solid. It must be hugely stressful, though. It's really stressful. Yeah. And also because every, you know, there are so many ways of doing this and they all have pluses and minuses. You know, like our situation, we're so lucky that we have this guy who, and it's worked out perfectly, that he doesn't want more than we want to give but he's still always going to be a special part in their lives like he's always flown over for first birthdays and you know he he will FaceTime occasionally but he has not ever demanded anything of us and Mm. that's and he's certainly not a parent and that's really lucky for us but you know on the flip side there are all the worries which I don't really worry about because I know him so well but that you know of course in the background you do sometimes think what if he meets someone who says you know, and start something. I mean, it would be a massive change and I can't imagine it happening. Hmm. But for us, it was also about my mum's adopted. So I actually felt quite passionately that I didn't want to do the known, the unknown route. And that's just a personal thing, but I've just experienced what it's like to not literally not know where you're from, only a generation hmm. away. Like I'm always asked, where are you right. originally from? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why <laughs> I don't look that English. I'm like, I'm not sure. And, mm. you know, obviously you do know that information if you're mm. using a known donor these days because they give it to you in the details and it's not so many a dodgy details. shag, <laughs> <laughs> which potentially my origination may involve. Um, <laughs> I mean, my origins rather. Um, anyway, so that was part of it for us. Um, and also the other reason we liked the known donor thing was that you can read so much from a profile, but then I like knowing that our donor is someone who would stop in the middle of the road and pick up a dog that had been run over and try and find out who had hurt it like he's a nice good person person. and Mm -hmm. I don't think you can tell that from and whether that's genetic or not who knows but I do sometimes think there might be an innate niceness that's like that's actually a really I think it's 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 indicative of 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 the person and their essence and I think that does carry on I think that was something that really um plagued us while we were in our decision making um for the donor because there were points where we just saw everything on paper was, you know, great, great, smart, 
good, wonderful. But it was like, I want to know what this person's like when they're angry. I want to know what this person is like when they're in a compromising situation. Are they going to take the, you know, the high route or are they going to, you know, be an asshole? Um, you know, just things like that. Like, what do they look, are they an empathetic person? Are they a good person? You know? Yeah. And I think those are things that like on paper and even, even though you can hear what they sound like and they can try to give you as much information as possible, you just don't know until you meet the person but then so much you'll bring them up yeah Yeah, exactly exactly. so much of that is being brought up with love and attention and affection and and being heard and being listened to and being you know taught the right things and so yes there's definitely i don't know yes i'm still kind of weighing up the two things but i think so much of is no matter how bad your nature is which won't be your case obviously but like no matter what you get served in terms of nature nurture can do so much to help that oh yeah i totally agree i mean we always joke around i'm like i just hope we didn't get a serial killer that's all i care about i want to get a psychopath yeah i don't want a psychopath and actually interestingly to um go alongside that um we noticed recently that um evie who is our eldest daughter who is biologically my daughter and olive is biologically my wife kim's daughter um like Evie's picked up mannerisms that are Kim. So weirdly, if they're walking along together, you actually, you don't question for a second that they're mother and daughter. And there are things that she does that to me, I'm like, that's so Kim. Mm. And that's completely nurture, which is, I think, yeah. amazing. It's that's so lovely true. that that can happen. Yeah. And so that kind of makes it all not matter. It's just mm. once they're there, they're, yeah. they're yours mm. and they're part of your family. Was the next step a blur of doctors, injections, clinics waiting that's kind of how in my head it is yeah i mean it was it's weird ivf i think and you can correct me on this if you want i think it's one of those things that feels when you're doing it like ages although actually it's never really more than probably a couple of months but it's very very intense um but actually then it's over and you're like oh okay that was weird. And I can see how people can do it again and again because when you're in it, it feels awful and you can't wait for it to end. But actually, I, I personally found, and so did my wife, that we recovered fairly quickly mm. and then sort of moved on from it. So as we probably know, uh, IVF is not a process that is unique to same-sex, same-sex couples. Um, plenty of straight couples have journeys with IVF as well. But did you guys experience any issues or pitfalls in the IVF process that you think maybe is unique to lesbian couples? Um, I think what was unique was that we did IVF um, pretty much at the same time. Um, Not to have a baby at the same time, but we were going through the process both having tests because we thought we'd just find out about both of us at the same time. So you guys doubled up. Yeah, you both... which is unique. I'm sure wow. straight couples yeah. don't do that. Yeah. That's like double the intensity. Oh, yeah, right? it was wow. intense. Okay. But we had, um, basically, we weren't, we couldn't agree on who should go first because Kim is older than me by about three years, but I have all these autoimmune problems. So we were doing the tests so that the doctors basically could make the decision. So we both got everything assessed and analysed and we thought that way we'll just go with, with whoever needs to go first, mm. if you know what I mean. Mm. It was the fairest way. So we did that and then she was in better shape than me. So they said I should go first. But the doctor also said, but seeing as you're here, you know, get your eggs out now while they're younger and then you can wait to have your baby. 
um, to Kim, so we actually did the cycles of IVF at the same time, but then I just got one embryo put in and she didn't, she put hers on ice. So wait, so you literally did it at the same time, you did we... all the shots, like day by day, you guys were there no, in it together. Not quite, it's, it's done on your uh, menstrual cycle, so actually I think you usually start on like the first day of your period, I think, yep. if I remember rightly. Um, so our periods were about a week apart, so we did it about a week apart. Which was, yeah, you know, both doing injections and then all around our house we stuck up posters saying, it's not her, it's the hormones. And I printed out pictures of babies and stuff. Oh my God. Oh my God. Because we were thinking we're going to rip each other's eyes out. You know, what are we going to do? But actually, we felt surprisingly that it really wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. Like we just hibernated. Yeah. So, like, what was, sorry. So, what was the, like, the kind of, medicines that you guys were taking was it majority just kind of hormone shots or like what would one expect kind of walking into IVF I guess those injections are they like just pumping full of hormones yeah are there other things that you're taking at the same time um well I think everybody's different with IVF I think they always make it very personalized to your results so Kim for example we found out after going in one day thinking you know this is the day they're going to take out her eggs. They were like, oh, no, you've ovulated already. And we found out that actually she ovulates really early. So you have to do all these tests and, like, find out what happens in your personal cycle. So mm. I think it's different because then Kim had to do down-regulation drugs, which I didn't have to do, um, where they kind of manipulate your menstrual cycle so that it works better for IVF. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you can expect lots of medicines. I think we were – so it's actually, you know, three years ago now or something, but I think we did – two drugs probably to stimulate our ovaries to then produce more eggs and then after you have the retrieval well Kim didn't have it put straight back in so she didn't have to take anything else but I had an embryo put back in and then I had to take progesterone um, pessaries for the first three months of pregnancy which were pretty rough yeah, you have to and stick them in your bum or yeah. in your fanny. <laughs> oh, wow! They're like okay. you know proper French style pessary. I was thinking oh. that. I mean, there's only one way that a pessary goes. There is. Yeah, and... I did, probably didn't need to go into that detail. No, yes, you actually. did. <laughs> we love all of the details. So the progesterone. <laughs> what does that do then? So is it in a cream then? No, no. It's it's a waxy pessary. You know stick the thing that you bum. put it in your bum or, or in not your, fanny. your bum. And, or, your, or your other hole. Yeah. <laughs> the nose. And, and it kind of melts and, and then it, it's sort of, you know, it's not pretty in your nose. It's chews there. Yeah, it, it just, just sits there up. for a bit and then, you know, what goes up must come down. Oh. It's not nice. I mean, um, all I'm hearing. Months, and it makes, I was constipated. I mean, that's probably too much as well, but it's. No, this is good to know for You're people. bloated, you have headaches, like the, you feel like you you've got it's... chemicals in your body during mm. IVF. You feel like toxic. That's how I felt. So it's de- that was just from the progesterone that you no, stuck in No, I suppose bum. it was because I did it straight after having done the IVF cycle. So I think mine was a build-up probably of the whole, yeah. you know, like six weeks or whatever and of IVF and then okay. pregnant, but also having to take progesterone. Okay. But you guys doing this together pretty much, at the, I mean, doing it together no matter what, but pretty much doing it together at the same time. It must have been such a like huge bonding experience as well. Like yeah. you're doing it together and it's like it doesn't sound very it I mean fun. It doesn't sound all that much fun. <laughs> I'm sure it was fun when you got a baby at the end, but like during it it must have been pretty intense, but it it was pretty intense, but then I think there's again, like anything, there's pluses and minuses to it. I'm sure it's nice when you're the woman doing it and your husband can go out and buy you 
you know, a nice magazine and some chocolates or whatever. Whereas when you're both like, I'm not moving. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to get a takeaway. I'm not moving. What did you say? <laughs> you know, it can get quite fraught. So yeah. the benefit yeah. was that I suppose we were understanding and it wasn't like, oh, you know, we said we'd go out tonight. Come on. Like there was none of that. We weren't dragging each other out because we were like, we need to just stay in our little hovel and be warm mm. and bloated together. <laughs> and let's shoot up now. <laughs> Literally, you know, like just jabbing. Your, oh. oh, God. How many months after you got pregnant did Kim get pregnant? Okay, so again, I don't think I'm the norm here. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. But <laughs> I mean, it depends if you're trying to appeal to everybody, then this is not what they're going to do. And I wouldn't advise it. Um Kim got pregnant, I think, when our first daughter was about six weeks old. Hang on. Yeah. Six weeks? Yeah. I didn't realise it was that early. Yeah. Six weeks? Well, they're nine months apart, um, and Olive was born nearly two months early, so yeah. So they're technically... Irish twins. Yes, which is a derogatory. I never term. really understood that term. Neither have I. Mean, I okay. is it I've heard it. Why do you? you what does it, it mean? I've never, never even heard it. I suppose it, it implies that Irish people have sex all the time. Oh, is that well, not I true? Mean... Can you please speak for the whole Irish race? No, because I have, I've actually wondered about this, and it seems to be quite an American term, Irish twins. But what it means, my understanding of the term is. That um, Ireland is a Catholic country and way back in the day you were not encouraged or indeed allowed by the Catholic Church to use contraception. So it didn't matter at what point um, you had had a baby as soon as you had sex again, it was possible for you to get pregnant straight away. So if you had a baby and then you had another baby nine months later... That was known as Irish twins mm. because there was. I had never. So it's basically like when two babies are less than a year apart, and, exactly. be, and, and yes. women are incredibly exactly. fertile as soon as they give birth. Totally. So mm. well, not that, if they're breastfeeding. And, what's that? Not if you're breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is yes, meant to be a true, natural true. contraception. But Although so, a lot of people end up getting pregnant and, if they rely on that. Exactly. So don't just rely on so it. So that's but. where the term Irish twin comes mm. from. But gotcha. anyway, sorry. So you guys find out six weeks after you gave birth to your first daughter that your wife was pregnant with your no, second daughter. No, I think that's when she had the implantation. So then there's the two-week wait after that, which is okay. if you Google IVF, everyone writes 2WW for two-week wait when you have to wait two weeks before you do a pregnancy test to right. find out if it's taken. Um, so, yeah, it was very shortly. I mean, it was it was quite intense, but... Can I ask, why did you guys decide to do it so soon after you you had just given birth? Um, mainly because Kim is older than me. I think she was anxious that because she was in her late 30s that it wouldn't work. I mean, to be fair, we didn't think it was going to work first time. Mm. Um, so it was unusual that both of us had it work first time mm. so that was it, we were we were shocked mm. so i'm gonna imagine the shock so it's gonna be bittersweet because obviously you're like oh my god yes this is exactly what we wanted but did we want it right now yeah it exactly it was really shocking something. and it's and it's weird that you know then one per the other person is pregnant when you're also getting used to having a newborn that was really mm. difficult but i mean now they are literally best friends. They're so funny. They're like a double act. And, and they're so gorgeous. <laughs> they're so cute. Thank you. That's very kind of you. But they're just, they're very different. And they're, they're almost like yin and yang. One's really cautious and one's really outgoing. And they kind of actually encourage the 
the other thing in the other child, if you know what I mean. So if, if Evie's being shy, but Olive runs up to the guy in the restaurant and hugs him, then suddenly Evie will be like, <laughs> okay. And then she runs up and does it too, yeah. which she wouldn't do on her own. So they... Yeah. And sometimes I think Evie makes Olive a bit safer because she's like, maybe don't run off the edge there. Mm, <laughs> and mm. so they compliment each other. Mm. Intense, but they're very sweet. And they do entertain each other as well. How would you say the reality of becoming lesbian mothers or mothers in a lesbian relationship has lived up to your expectations? What were your expectations before getting into it? And, uh, and how does that match to the reality? I think I think the honest answer is that I think it's just just normal. I think it's probably just the same as a mum and dad. I think that's what's almost surprised me is that I don't think it's as different as I thought it would be. I mean, mm. I'm, I don't think I, one of us is the mum and one of us is the dad either, but it's just an equal relationship where we both parent the children. I think one thing I thought... I would like to have known before I had children with a woman, which I will say now is that I think it's incre- I think it's a lot harder for the person who isn't giving birth than either of us expected. That was the biggest shock for us about becoming parents in a female relationship. See, I've always wondered about that because I mean, whereas I might be on the fence about well, I won't say on the fence. I would say I would be happy either way in my relationship, whether or not I had children or not. But what I do know definitively is that I definitely do not want to give birth phys- physically, if that's even the mm-hmm. right term. But that's yeah. that's definitely not something that's ever appealed to me. In fact, it has directly not appealed to me. Um, <laughs> Wait, in Dorina, ways. do you want to give birth? I don't want to give birth. <laughs> and I will, tell you, I will tell you for why. I have had a recurring dream since um, probably about the last 15 years, a recurring dream where I'm pregnant and I'm really panicked about it like really freaked Aww. out like I'm actually pregnant I've got a bump and I'm like how the fuck did this happen I'm a lesbian <laughs> I don't understand any of this <laughs> and it's a really panicky dream anyway oh, but horrible. my point being I'll get over the dream it's no worries but my point being that um maybe it's a sign maybe it is maybe, maybe is you sign. need to get pregnant maybe you're meant to be pregnant I don't think so. Can I think we step pregnancy away from dreams are meant please? to be mean that there's new possibilities happening in your life. I read that somewhere. There else. you go. Maybe, but what it has done is kind of broached the idea for me. Okay, I am. Maybe I will. Maybe I will not have um, children in my relationship. But what I do know is that I do not want to go through the process and and give birth. But I've wondered about um, if it was something that was to happen, what my role would be in it, mm. and I'm like. Actually, that's quite a lot to think about. So, Mm. I mean, you have, like, people who have roles in this process. You have all the doctors and nurses. You have the woman who will be giving birth to the child. And you have a male in some way, shape or form. I'm like, what would my role be in that? Mm. And if it was a known donor, would that make me uncomfortable? Would Mm. I have issues around that? What what would that be? So, I think it's, like, important to consider exactly what you've said. It's Mm. like... It can. It must be quite difficult for the person who's not giving birth and, and what they do in that and what their role yeah, is. Yeah, I think I think it's the most challenging thing for us. Anyway, it has been in our relationship because um, I think you're you're surprised by it because, I mean, the person who's giving birth. I think it's also if you're breastfeeding, like that is such a intense um, bond between a new baby and the birth mother. If that's who is breastfeeding, 
Um, obviously, you can actually take hormones to have the non-birth mother breastfeed too. Actually, this is going to be what? an obvious question that Whoa. I feel like some people are going to be thinking on. about because your girls were born so close together. Mm. It would have been the perfect story to have you both breastfeeding. It would have been. And I was still breastfeeding Evie because um, she was nine months when Olive was born. But Olive was born two months early. Kim had preeclampsia. Olive was only three pounds, two ounces when she was born. So she was really small and premature mm. and was in hospital for six weeks. Um, on a feeding tube and stuff so I couldn't feed her because actually amazingly the body is so clever that the milk your body makes for a nine-month-old is very different to the body to the milk your body makes for a newborn let alone a premature newborn so she really needed to have only Kim's milk because it was like her brain knew that she needed high fat you know very thick like nutritious milk whereas the nine-month-old is drinking more fluid needs more like water so your body adjusts that's fascinating. To the doctors, we asked yeah, them and they said insane. you actually shouldn't because it's not the right milk for the so baby. So what about like the whole era of when night nurses were a big thing? You know, because I mean, and like you just said, you can take hormones to kind of... Wet you know, nurses. Wet nurses, correct. Yeah. So those would be women who would kind of come in who were not... They weren't the birth mother, mother and they would just come and breastfeed the children. Well, probably if they fed them enough, their body would know that this is actually a younger baby and make the different milk. I mean, it's crazy. That's fascinating. Like they've done studies. Wow. I heard this. I'm not saying it's factually correct, but they've done studies with twins where one twin has been unwell and the other twin is fine. And then they've tested the the milk for different antibodies and things. And mm. the one that's ill, that boob, has made a special different milk with specific antibodies in it to fight the virus that that baby has. Holy I mean, crap. That's amazing. It is the human body. <laughs> wow. It's nuts. Yeah. So okay. I couldn't feed her because of that. Yeah. Fair um, enough. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, um, I'd like to know for myself and also for anyone out there who's kind of tempted and, and thinking and considering going down the same route, um, what would be the most important or a couple of the most important pieces of advice that you would give to a person or a couple in a lesbian relationship who's thinking about going down the same route that you've gone down? I think communication, you have to speak to each other, you have to be brutally honest about what you care about and about what matters to you in terms of the donor process and parenting, I suppose. I think you need to be really honest about that. Um, I think you need to, if you're doing IVF, I always just think of this phrase, be prepared for the unexpected. Just whenever either of us did IVF, there's always something that comes up that, you know, a hormone isn't in the right place, so you need to add in this or... It's just always changing and it's very unpredictable. Mm. Um, and then for parenting as well, I mean, I think that's another whole show for you guys in a way because I've got a whole load of other stuff okay. to say about being a gay parent, but that's different. You have different to come to back. Okay, we'll get you when back you, on. When we'll you next you free. <laughs> I have one more question. Yeah. And then I have one more too. Okay. 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 <laughs> How, I mean, that's probably just goes for all women is nothing to do with being a lesbian mother or not, but how has it changed going through the process and then obviously motherhood and everything? How has it changed how you view your own body, how you feel in your own body? That's a good question. Good question. Well, I feel, I think it's something definitely powerful about giving birth and carrying a child. Like, I do think, wow, my body has done something amazing and I'm proud of it for that. And I've got various health things, but I might be, you still did that, that's awesome. Mm. And I still look at Evie and I'm like, I can't believe you were made in my body. I'm like, that's amazing. And she's, you know, talking and dancing. And I'm like, that's so cool. Um, I also look at myself in the mirror and think I look like a melted candle. No! no! Come on! 
I heard that. My mom told me that quote. She'll be thrilled that I used that. But I think it's <laughs> actually very accurate. I'm like, it's just all not quite in the right place. <laughs> okay, I think that is probably false. But I mean, correct. Teach their own. I'm not. very much down. Yeah. It. No, okay. it's not. But they are also war wounds. And you're like, yeah, fine. Okay, I don't have the boobs I did have, but I did give someone life for a year with my boobs and yeah. that's kind of cool yeah i mean you know what we're elastic these things can bounce back eventually with or a bit of surgery. squats and a bit of surgery <laughs> all, all of the above okay so my question to you was what is your advice for a lesbian couple moving into us to jarena's point earlier when the birth mother is going through this what is your advice to the partner who is not the birth mother in that instance i feel like this is the most important thing we've talked about all night probably because I think it's to not panic it's to give it time like I genuinely if I'm being brutally honest I didn't fully bond like really feel like Olive was my daughter until she was probably three months old wow that's such a strong thing to say by the way Mm -hmm. that is like I feel bad about that but I mean I think Kim would say similar I think it's and why do you you love them like I love them yeah because you're so you're so other there's this they're almost one person really when they're first born because they're Mm. literally attached to the boob there's nothing you can really do to help with that you know at the beginning of breastfeeding because someone's learning to breastfeed is really hard so you know kim would be like oh no you know you need to move her into this position i'm "I'm trying and you're so tired and then you know kim would be holding her head in the right position and that's the kind of help she could give and then with olive i mean olive was obviously again a bit of a different situation because she was so ill but i just i wasn't the one in the and mm. I knew with her every night because I was looking after our nine-month-old, so I was kind of coming in and out. And I just didn't get the chance to really bond with her fully. But going back to what my advice would be, would be to just relax. I think that's completely normal. And, you know, you're not going to compete with a birth mother and the newborn. You are part of it, and you will be so equal. that mm. it, I mean, literally, now, my daughters are my daughters and my babies. I don't give a toss whose body they came from. Mm. And... And I love that. that It just, it does happen. So if you're feeling disconnected and you've just had a baby and you weren't the birth partner, it will happen. Just relax. And I guess because you guys go through the process together from the beginning, choosing the donor or agreeing to the donor or whatever it is, or adopting the child or, you know, you go through that whole process together. And I guess that 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 is kind of, you know, in the long run, that is the most important thing is that you guys are doing this together. You are as much a part of it. Yeah, you're massively, but it can be easy to forget that when you're just, not in that little duo of yeah dependence and need amazing amy thank you so much for joining us today this has been incredibly insightful i mean so informative um i'm sure that you know we probably have more questions after this but we're definitely getting you back on that's for sure yes (laughs) we want to know more about parenting and like I want to know all about like what do people say when there's two mothers and two babies and like anyway we for could another go on. episode yeah, yeah we, we could, could go on. and on. if anybody has questions about any of any of this about the IVF process about any you know parenting la 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 email us at slexpodcast at gmail.com. thank you for joining us everyone thank you and we will see you next time till next time bye bye, bye.